We think that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but as we'll read on in the story, you're going to find that really Jesus was seeking him. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible, I'd invite you to open them to the book of Luke chapter 19. You know, we, we're just kind of looking at some close encounters of Jesus. We remember last week we studied about how uh, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it and was glad. And we looked in the Old Testament. We found where Jesus had met Melchizedek. Then when we go to the book of Hebrews chapter 7, we find this Melchizedek described as Jesus Christ. It says, made in like form, and it says it's really a carbon copy of who he is. We find other places where Jesus uh, met Abraham in the Old Testament as well. But the thing is, is that once you meet Jesus, you're never the same. And that's one of the great things that God does. God does his work from the inside out. Religion does the work from the outside in. In other words, if we could just get people to look good, wear ties and, you know, make them smell good, well, then they're going to be good. That's the outside working in. But Jesus changes us from the inside out in what he wants us to be, not what others think we should be. I think this is really important. And certainly as we look at this interesting story today about a little man named Zacchaeus. Jesus is on his way to Jericho. The Bible says he had to go through uh, Jericho and probably for maybe many reasons, but certainly catching up with Zacchaeus is one of them. And so we find this little man Zacchaeus has a close encounter with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, change us, cause us to remember, Lord, that we are never the same when we have a close encounter with you. You're always into changing us from the inside out. And so, Lord, as we would spend this time together studying your word, Lord, in this room, on the internet, across all the radio stations in the United States, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Luke chapter 19, we start at verse 1. And when we look at this story, I think it's always amazing because uh, we find this, this idea of, of the Jewish nation being self-righteous in that they thought they inherited their righteousness from Abraham, or they inherited their righteousness from Moses. John the Baptist came along, 
saying that you, Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing too. This is what a person would do if they were to convert from a pagan religion to Judaism. They would renounce their pagan deity, they would embrace God, Yahweh, and then they would take a ceremonial washing. And what's so amazing here, John the Baptist told the Jewish nation to take a ceremonial washing. And one of the things that uh, John the Baptist said when the tax collectors came out, he told them, don't take any more taxes than you are supposed to. Tax collectors in those days had a lot of liberty. Basically, the Roman government felt that since they're extracting the money from their own people, and they would pick a local. They wouldn't pick a Roman citizen from Rome to be a tax collector. And they would oftentimes sit at the receipt of customs coming into a town. Now, we remember Matthew Levi was a tax collector as well. And so really, when you realize tax collectors, as today, are fairly well hated, they weren't very well liked then either. Well this interesting story about this little man. And he says in chapter 19, verse 1, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And by the way, there is never a place that I believe that Jesus went in the Bible that wasn't foreordained. Now you say, well, why do you say that? Because I believe the same can be said about every one of us. I do not believe that your footsteps are random once you become born again. I believe that they are directed by God and they are foreordained by God. God has something as you as a Christian for you to do for him. Now behold, the word behold in the Bible means, hey, look. Hey, look, there was a man named Zacchaeus. The name Zacchaeus means pure one. But as we'll read here, you're going to find that Zacchaeus was at least initially anything but a pure one. But you know what's funny? God will sometimes give us a name knowing that we will someday live up to that name. And so Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, again, it says he's a chief tax collector. This is the only place in the Bible where it says chief tax collector. There's other tax collectors, Matthew, Levi, and all. But the the thing is, he was the chief tax collector. Now, some people believe he could have actually been over that whole region, the jurisdiction of being the head IRS guy. And so it says he was rich. Now, how do people usually demonstrate they're rich? I think about this sometimes, and uh, it's kind of funny what people think is really cool. I look at some of the movie stars and Lady Gaga with her meat suit. If you remember that she came out with meat, like from a butcher shop, sewed together somehow, and she was wearing a meat suit. And I thought, isn't that interesting how sometimes rich people demonstrate or flaunt their wealth in very unusual ways. Perhaps the kind of car they drive, where they shop, if they're Gucci or whatever it might be. Sometimes it's the uh, ankle-high alligator boots they'll wear or some other way of demonstrating their wealth. But this was no different back in the time of Jesus as well. And Zacchaeus was rich, and oftentimes they would demonstrate their wealth by their clothing, what they would wear. And where you figured that most people's clothes were rather drab, they didn't have the dyes and all those things that were so common as they are today, 
we remember in the Bible that some of the people in the Bible that were sellers of dyes, they were quite wealthy because it was such a rare thing. And so no doubt Zacchaeus was probably dressed very brilliantly. A little man very brilliantly decorated. Now we're going to see why this is interesting here in a little bit. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was not very tall. And he wanted to see Jesus. He probably heard about him. He probably even heard about Levi, Matthew Levi, who was a tax collector, that when Jesus looked at him at the receipt of customs, he said, follow me. And the Bible says that, that Matthew dropped everything. He didn't even give a two weeks notice. He just got up and followed Jesus. I like that. There was no inhibitions in Matthew to stick around any longer. He just dropped everything. And I wonder if that didn't get around. Hey, did you hear about Matthew? You know, I mean, he was a pretty good tax collector. He was making a little money on the side too. And and he just dropped everything and went after Jesus. And I could see somebody like, like Zacchaeus, who was in like profession going, hmm, I wonder why he did that. Do you know that when God changes your life, you create ripples and you always will. This is one of the great things that God does. And so he wanted to see who Jesus was. I always like to think about that for a little bit, that people want to know who Jesus is. And is there really any truth to who Jesus is? Is there any real um, redeeming value in believing in Christ? And oftentimes people will see that in you. And again, I always tell people this. If you look for perfection in Christians, you will always be let down because there's only one righteous, that's Jesus Christ. But what's interesting in the followers of Jesus Christ is they are forgiven, continually be forgiven, so that we can be all that God wants us to be. So when you look for perfection, you always want to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So he wanted to see who Jesus was, but he couldn't because of the crowd. In other words, it tells me here that the streets were probably lined, probably very similar to when we might have a Western Days parade or whatever, and the streets are lined with people, and Zacchaeus, this little man, and because he was a tax collector, no one liked him. No one liked tax collectors. Again, as I stated earlier, really they're not too liked today. They weren't liked then either. Because a couple of reasons. First of all, they were taking their money. That never makes me very happy about anybody. The second thing is, they were employed by the Roman government. Now the reason why the Roman government would hire a a person of locale or from that area is because they understood the culture. So in other words, somebody would come into the city with their cart loaded with all kinds of goods. The tax collector would go out and look it over and go, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you got this, this, this. Yeah, to get in the city to sell your wares, uh, it's going to be about uh, 50 bucks. And so they would have to fork over the money to bring their cart of goods into the city. But the reason they would use a local is because the local knew the culture. He knew what roughly things were worth on the cart. And so therefore, he could extract the maximum amount of taxes to get, to give the Roman government 
and to keep a pretty penny for himself. That's why tax collectors were hated. They were taking money and they worked for the Roman government. Well, he couldn't see Jesus for the crowd. Why? Probably nobody would let him in front of the line. Yeah, Zacchaeus in back. And you can probably see this little guy as Jesus is walking along. And if you were looking from Jesus' perspective, as he's walking along, you'd see this little head bob up. Probably leaping up. Trying to look over the crowd. See this little, in a brightly colored garment. Well, he realized he wasn't going to be able to see Jesus because of the press that was around him. So it says in verse 4, he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him. Now, I think this is really a couple of interesting things here. First of all, for a well-known, highly hated, respected tax collector in bright garment to climb up into a tree, well, as Jesus said, except a man become as a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Certainly, this would exemplify it pretty good. You have a guy of great... Uh, uh, you know, uh, distinguished person climbing into a tree and hanging out of a tree to see Jesus. Because it says he, to see him, for he was going to pass that way, which tells me a little bit that Zacchaeus had to be looking which way he was going. Now, this is a couple of interesting things here. First of all, We think that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. But as we'll read on in the story, you're going to find that really Jesus was seeking him. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Uh, I think this is interesting that um, Jesus would invite himself to your house. I I like that about God. Don't ever feel guilty about, you know, sometimes you say, well, I don't know how to break into conversation. Just invite him. Just invite yourself. Or, hey, why don't I come over to your house tonight and we'll have some dinner? You know, I mean, what can they say? So he says, Jesus came to the place, looked up and saw him. Jesus was looking for him. I like that. Now, something you always have to remember Even though we may have an occasional glance at God, God has been looking for us for a long time. And he said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. I'm surprised Zacchaeus didn't fall out of the tree. He knew his name. He called him by name. Now, I think this is interesting to me because, again, we know that Jesus knows everything. And he knows everything about us. In fact, I think it's also noteworthy that when Jesus walked up to the blind person... And he said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if you were Jesus, or maybe I should say, if you were the blind man and Jesus, here you're blind, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You might say, well, duh, isn't it obvious? But you know, sometimes I think we have to come to the point in our life where we realize we're not going to get better unless God heals us. I think it's interesting. I was talking to Ron and I, uh, when I walked into the, the coffee shop and Ron says, and some of the strangest words I think I've heard anybody ever tell me. He looks at me and says, I'm not dying anymore. Well, that's good, Ron. But what's interesting, Ron was in the hospital uh, concerning open heart surgery and all the things that he's been going on in his life. 
And uh, basically, prognosis negative, the doctor says, you ain't got long to go. And it just kind of made me mad. Because I thought, Ron's too young to go. He just recently got married. Let's pray. And so we prayed there in the hospital room. And I said, Lord, we just ask you that you will heal Ron. Now, I know that sometimes when we pray, we have a preconceived idea how God's going to do something. You know, like, when they're healed. Wow, that's cool. I like that. Doesn't happen often. But you know, it's interesting when we prayed for, um, for one of the brothers in our church because of the back operation, God instantaneously healed him. And, and I, I thought that was amazing. He didn't have enough money for the operation. They wanted 300000 His insurance only went up to two hundred fifty. And, and so Rudy, we prayed for him and God supernaturally just healed him. It was gone, done. It, it was that quick. So when we prayed for Ron, you know, I kind of, when I'm done, I look like, are you okay? Are you glowing? You know, oh, it's happening here. And, and the thing is, nothing, we, we left and everything. Well, when I come in two days later, I come into the coffee shop this morning, Ron says, I'm not dying anymore. And I go, oh, how, what? And he said, you know, it's a funny thing. A nurse came over and began to talk to me and told me that, she said, have you ever been che- checked for, uh, that you might be Plavix, which is for the heart, intolerant or non-responsive? And he goes, no. He went, had a blood test, found out that that was what the problem was and what's been hammering him for a number of years. He was Plavix intolerant. And so the thing is, they changed his medicine and they realized that this was what the problem was. Now, the reason I say that is this. A lot of times we have a preconceived idea how God is going to do something. We're going to pray for something, they're going to glow bright white, and they're instantly going to be healed that way. God heals in very many different ways. And again, I'm always amazed. Jesus heals one guy. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see again. Jesus speaks to him. His eyes come. And we remember another time Jesus spit on the ground, made clay, put it on the guy's eyes, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he was healed. So you have God healing with mud and healing without mud. Is there anything supernatural about mud? No, but I think what it is, is it shows don't put God in a box. And when you pray for somebody to be healed, God has a way of doing that. It may be a word of knowledge through a nurse, not a doctor, not through the, uh, the maker of the, of the drug, not through a, a pharmacist, but it came through a nurse going, by the way, have you been checked to see if you're Plavix intolerant? No, never even heard of it. Doctors never suggested it. And that caused his life to change. What I'm saying is this. God will use you in many, many different ways. Be careful of ever putting God in a box and saying, this is how God's going to do it. This is how he's done it before. This is how he's going to do it again. We as people love formulas. Cox God. We like that. And we want to know just how many cranks it is that I turn. And friends, that gets into religion. That's the things that I'm going to do to make God do something. God's love towards us is not predicated upon your turning the crank on the jack in the box. God's love for you is based upon his love for you. You're my servant. 
Your footsteps are divinely orchestrated by me, God says, to go do my will. You do, you pray, and then you leave it in God's hands how he's going to do that. Sometimes God does instantly heal. Sometimes God heals over a period of time. Sometimes God allows the person to die and take them to heaven where that's the complete healing. You get a brand new body. And sometimes God heals through a word of knowledge or a change in what has been done. But God is not limited to my understanding. And so when we go back and we look at little Zacchaeus, this little man, and imagine walking down the street with Jesus and the disciples are behind him and they're walking along. And here's probably a guy in probably a brightly colored robe hanging out of a tree, acting like a little kid. And like I say, unless a man become as a child, he'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. He set all that uh, ambition aside so that he could go and get a glimpse of Jesus. And what was Jesus's response? Called him by name and said, I'm going to spend the evening with you, Zacchaeus. Hasten and come down. Verse 6. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Why did he receive him joyfully? I, I don't know. Because I, I think the curiosity at first was interesting, maybe very much spurned by uh, uh, Matthew's conversion to Christ, again, like occupation. Uh, maybe it was that he called him by name. There was that personal touch that Jesus offered him. But whatever it was, he received him joyfully. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.